Morning everyone, good to see you today. Let's start with a story. Uh, on Friday, uh, most of you know I do gardening and ground maintenance, that type of thing. And um, I was at this job site. Uh, we did the first half of the site, it's a big site, so we did the first half, kind of parked down one area, and then we drive around to the second area, and I normally find this nice little parking spot just for me, um, which is close enough to do the gardens and, and get my equipment in and out of the van. Fortunately, this particular time, uh, a couple of days ago, there was a big fence right where I park. And I thought, oh, great, where am I going to park? Next to that little section is a loading zone where trucks come in and out, so I couldn't obviously park there. And then there was one little spot, 15-minute parking spot, but someone had taken it. There was just enough space to park behind this person who's already taken it. So I took it. I parked in this 15-minute loading zone, tollway area. Uh, Don't worry, my vehicle did not get towed. But you can imagine my kind of anxiety about getting this half of the job done quickly, preferably within 15 minutes or preferably before the guy comes back and he wants to move and then I have to move my vehicle and so on and so forth. So I have this young guy in the vehicle with me as I'm pulling up to park. For instance, let's just call him Junior, okay? He's young and... uh, He knows the job fairly well, uh, but he's young, okay? That's a polite way of saying he's immature. (laughs) And I rock up, and I don't think he assesses the situation that I'm already stressed before we even get out of the vehicle. So I say to him, listen, we've got to get in and out as quick as we can. We've got to get this job done quickly. But... We've also got to do provide good service. We've got to do the job properly. Yeah. I don't know if his earbuds was still on at the time, but he didn't hear me because his actions showed that he didn't hear me. As I'm about to get out of the van, so I give him a bit of a pep talk, we're going to go for it, uh, a large um, coach bus pulls in behind me. So I'm boxed in. And it's the um, retirement village um, bus taking people in and out, um, picking people in and out. So you can imagine this is not a quick process. And the problem is he's parked so close that I can't open my van up at the back to get the equipment out. So I opened up halfway and I said, mate, get in there, get the hedger and get going. Quite firmly without making a a scene in front of the older people walking past. Oh, you, yes, I want you to stick your hand in and get the hedge trimmer and start hedging. Oh, where do you want me to hedge? <laughs> I've told you in the van, that little section there that we, that we do all the time. Oh, okay. Anyway, so he starts hedging. Oh, good, good. And then I, I start weeding and I'm just trying to keep an eye on him. He's standing on the road. By this time, the, the bus had then moved and is going out. He's standing on the, 
He's standing on the road, leaning against the bus. The bus is about to turn. I said, Junior, step off the road, in, go back into the garden, and you're going to have to do it within the garden. Oh, okay. So this is what I'm dealing with. And in the process, he's like, well, how do I get to the middle? What do you mean? How do I do the top of the hedge? Well, you might have to stand in the garden a little bit to do it. Oh, he didn't want to, he didn't want to stand in the garden to do garden work. He wanted to stand on the road. So I tried to explain to him, yeah, you might have to get involved a bit more, mate. You're going to have to step into the garden to do this. Anyway, I start cleaning up after him because all the mess is now on the road, as you can imagine. I'm trying to clean up. And he's like, oh, what would you like me to do now? I said, oh, if you could get the whippersnipper out and start whipping the grass, that would be great. There's only a small patch of grass and we kind of just get away with just whipping it flat. You know, don't have to get the mower out and, and catch the grass and all that sort of thing. So I said, if you could get the whippersnipper out, that would be great. Maybe put some fuel in it, maybe check that it's got enough cord to do the job. And I even said to him, if you don't feel like doing it, I'll do it for you. Oh, okay. So he's taking the hedge trimmer back. By this time, there's this access to the van, which is great. Um, I'm cleaning up the mess, and then all of a sudden, he's standing right next to me. He says, what would you like me to do now? In the process, this is a rush job. I've got 15 minutes, and 15 minutes I'm sure has passed by now. It almost takes, it feels like 15 minutes to tell this story. <laughs> he is standing right next to me. I said, if you could go and get the whipper snipper and bring it to me, he goes, oh, would you like me to whipper snip? Yeah, that would be good. So he gets it, starts whipper snipping, and you know what happens? Within a couple of minutes, the cord runs out. I've got to go back and get some cord. Oh, okay. By this time, I've got the blower standing there waiting for him just to finish this section so we could get out of there. He comes back. Um, actually, no, he doesn't come back. I go to him to find out what's going on. He's taking his time. He's not rushing. He doesn't get what I'm trying to achieve here, and that is a quick, fast job done at a, at a quality that's not going to get me in trouble. Okay? Anyway, I bite my tongue. I let him walk back. He starts cutting again with the... He's like, it's not cutting very well. He stops the machine to tell me this. And I said, would you like me to take over? Oh, if you want, like... I'll, I'll take over. I took over, took a couple of minutes, and we were done and out of there. Anyway, we're about to go. He says, oh, I need to go and get some, a, a bottle of drink. Oh, okay, all right. I said, well, don't be too long. I actually said, don't be too long. He's like, I actually got to make a phone call too. Um, I said, you can make the phone call in the van while we're heading back to um, Regentville. Uh, it's 45 minutes away. There's plenty of time for a conversation. Oh, I'll make it as I'm getting a drink. So he goes into the shopping centre, gets a drink. I thought, actually, that's good timing. Like, he wasn't that long. He's on the phone. 
as he's walking out, but he doesn't want to sit into the van to finish the conversation. So he's pacing up and down the shopping centre on the phone. Well, I'm still, the car is running, I want to go. Eventually, he goes, oh, that phone call was a waste of time. I was like, okay. And then eventually, we got out of there. That story happened on Friday, okay? Not really a story, it was just work. It was circumstances at work that when you work with juniors, that often is the case. Similar vibe is going on in John at this particular time. Okay, so bear with me and we'll see what's going on. So John chapter 13. And it's a continuation on from last week. So they're having the Passover meal um, and Jesus is um, teaching and instructing uh, at this particular time. And uh, it's 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 a lot. There's a lot going on in a small amount of time, okay. So when I was trying to rush and, and, and get things happening, you almost get the sense that this is what's happening for Jesus. He hasn't got much time left, okay. And so in a short amount of time, he's trying to get a lot of things um, instructed to his disciples who aren't quite getting the vibe, who aren't quite getting it. So a little summary would be like, in this passage, we've got the Judas, the betrayal, we've got the prediction of Peter's denial. Jesus is setting up his disciples so that they can then go out without him, knowing that in a couple of hours or so, Jesus uh, will be on the cross. And in this little bit, Jesus is trying to share with them um, his love. Verse 18 of chapter 13 says this. I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I've chosen. But this fulfills the scriptures that says, The one who eats my food has turned against me. I'll tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. i tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my message is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Disciples looked around at each other wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. And Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread. I dip in the bowl. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas, uh, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was the treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give money to the poor. 
So Judas left at once, going out into the night. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm going to now I'm sorry. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I go now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I'll tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. You get what I'm trying to say here with the story? We've got Jesus, he's smack bang right in the middle. Emotionally, there's a lot going on. So one of his closest mates is going to betray him. Um, He's trying to set the disciples up knowing that he's not going to be there for a while. He's going to the cross. And he's trying to set them up so that when he does go, they are, it's almost like the baton handover, you know, in a relay race. Jesus has got the baton and it's time for him to pass it on to his disciples so that they can carry on the work that Jesus has set up. And all of this, We've got this confusion about who's betraying, oh, where are you going? Uh, they're not quite getting it. Juniors aren't quite getting what's happening here. They're kind of missing the point that we've, there's not much time. We've got to do a good quality job. And you're a little bit sidetracked and you're not quite getting it. One of the really cool things about this, in this little passage, in, in almost the kind of the confusion with the disciples not quite getting it, is Jesus is very clear about who he is. Very clear with who he is. And you know what? He even refers to the Old Testament um, usage of words so that they should be able to get that because they grew up knowing that. The Old Testament. So when Jesus says, I am, what does that remind us of? Sing it out. Or yell it out. Don't sing it out. We're not allowed to sing. Moses. Moses and God, the interaction with Moses and God, I am. As soon as they hear I am, surely that should trigger memories of what they've learnt over their childhood and even their adulthood. Oh, that's God. And when Jesus says, I am, or I am in my version of the Bible, I am the Messiah, that should trigger for them, oh, so 
Jesus is saying that he is God. Now, this is not necessarily the first time Jesus has told them this. Okay, It's probably not even the second time. But hopefully after a bit of repetition, they might start to be able to get where I'm coming from. Disciples, hey, I'm God. And the Father and I, we're one. And if you don't quite get that, I am the Messiah. There's a beautiful thing too that in giving commandments where he says, I give you a new commandment. Where does that remind you of? The commandments. Moses and the Ten Commandments? Yeah, you, you are allowed to speak in church. Don't be shy. Just don't, as I used to say, just say it, don't spray it. You know what I'm saying? All right. Moses, again, who gives, God gave the, the commandments. He, I guess he was the only one that could give the commandments, couldn't he? He's the only one in that power and authority to give commandments. And now all of a sudden, not, well, not all of a sudden, Jesus has said this a couple of times, I'm giving you a new commandment is to love one another. Now this is not a new commandment. But in light of what Jesus has done and is going to do, he says this after it, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Beautiful, isn't it? If you're not sure where I'm going with this, you're not sure what to do with your life, do that and you'll be set. Show the world that you belong to God by how you love each other and you'll be set. I'm so glad the disciples did get it eventually, didn't they? Because we have this Bible written by a lot of them, their experiences, and how they went about sharing the gospel. But at this point in time, they're juniors. Because even by... oh, I'm not even going to go into the betrayal. Because... Because I don't want to. Because it's hurtful. Because it's a, a, it's a moment where... Uh, I don't know if you've ever been portrayed by a friend, and that's a, it's a big word. Like that's that's there's a lot of hurt and emotion uh, attached with the word portrayal. But Jesus, in amongst the betrayal, is just trying to teach his beloved disciples, "Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. Now it's your turn." But when he addresses them, he says, dear children. Now, these are grown men with beards, we assume, by the images. Uh, they're probably around Jesus' age, maybe a bit older, maybe a bit younger. They've lived on this earth for a long time. They're not children. But they are children. Do you know why they're children? Not necessarily just because they're still growing, but because Jesus is the Father. They're connected. Jesus is the Father, and the Father, the Son are one. It also reminds me of, uh, in the, again, Moses, when Moses 
you know how Moses could not go into the promised land? He kind of got all the way up to the promised land, but wasn't allowed to go in. Who was the guy that went in and took the people in, led them in? Joshua. But Moses was a mentor for Joshua in those last few times before he entered. And in those conversations in the Old Testament between Moses and Joshua, it was Moses passing on his spirit to Joshua to then go the next step, the next chapter, the next into the promised land. In, in this address when Jesus says, Dear children, what he's doing is it's almost a, a leading of my spirit into the next chapter for you. So when anyone was to die or soon to die, they would gather the family together and they would start by saying, my dear children, this is what I want you to do after I'm gone. And normally it's a, it is a very special moment, but it's also a moment where you say to the people around you, of course, I love you, but I want you to love each other, look after each other. When dad was on the way out, he wrote a letter to his children and it was take care of each other. That was a really strong theme. And I get choked up thinking about that. But it is the same thing here happening for Jesus when he says, dear children, love each other. But it's not just, you know, arm around each other. It is to truly love each other like I've showed you. And the, the love that Jesus has shown his disciples is this sacrificial, obedient love. It's not how you go and make love. It is, it is obedience to God. And this is what he wants his disciples to do from now on. Poor Peter Jr. He's still not quite getting it. After he gives this address of loving each other, um, he's also giving them a, a bit of instruction and saying, well, listen, I'm not going to be around for a while, but you'll be able to follow me soon. Unfortunately, he got kind of caught up in the details, Peter, and he says, um, Lord, where are you going? You can't go with me now, but you can follow me later, Peter. But why can't I come now? It's like a child, isn't it? It's a child conversation. But why? But why can't I come with you now? I'm ready to die for you. Jesus, uh, Peter wasn't quite ready to die for Jesus at that point. But it was a strong, bold statement, wasn't it? And I don't know if other people will hear it. But maybe Peter, like he has in the past, just boldly states some, some stuff and sometimes he gets it right and sometimes he doesn't. I love Jesus' response. I don't know if there's a hint of sarcasm here by Jesus. But he, Jesus' answer is, die for me? Hmm. I can just see Jesus, die for me? <laughs> In a second, you're just going to deny me three times that you even know me, let alone go ahead and die for me. 
for this uh, passage or message today, that's where it finishes. But for the sake of this conversation, what happens to Peter after all this happens? Does Peter end up dying for Jesus? He does, doesn't he? He goes on uh, in a, a powerful, strong, determined way and he lives for Jesus and he spreads the gospel and he ends up dying for Jesus, for the cause of Jesus. The other amazing thing here is I, I kind of didn't touch on it too much, but when we uh, say, you know, dear children and give that address to our children and and as Moses passed on kind of his spirit to Joshua, this is what Jesus is doing too. We know, not necessarily in this section, but in other sections where the advocate comes in and he talks about the spirit. Uh, I'll, I'll go, but I will, I will leave you the spirit of God. And this is the start of that conversation. Okay, So we've got the Father represented, you've got Jesus represented, and you've got the Spirit all represented here in this little conversation of messiness that's going on for the disciples. Just to finish, I want to actually refer to something I've written down, which often helps if you're sharing a message. It says this, Jesus' love for his disciples and God was expressed in perfect obedience. Now, this kind of love was his new command, that disciples express <clears throat> their love for Jesus in committed obedience. And I feel like that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's, if he's giving us a new commandment to, or his disciples to, and of course we need to take that on board, is to love one another. It's not just necessarily love. It's this sacrificial obedience. You get that? Sacrificial obedience to God. And if us as Christians took that on board, man, man, we would see so much change just in our own lives and the people around us if we were obedient to God as obedient, as much as Jesus was obedient to his Father. Love is obedience. Love is obedience. Let's pray. Our Lord, now God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your example. We thank you that you did... Uh, die on that cross to make it possible for us to have a relationship with the Father and we know that we've been blessed with the Holy Spirit that you've sent to us to guide and direct us and to give us courage and strength and to motivate us and, and to give us a life that is connected with our Lord and it is our prayer, Lord, that we strive to be obedient to you. We strive to, to be a living sacrifice in this world. 
Now, they're big words, and it takes a lot of uh, action. It takes a lot of courage and strength to deny ourselves and to take up that cross. But you haven't left us alone in that, and we, we praise you for that. Lord, I pray for Penrith Baptist. I pray for your healing hand to be upon it. I pray for your guiding spirit to be moving amongst us, Lord. And, and we pray that you continue to break down barriers. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to uh, strengthen our foundation in our faith in you so that we can share your gospel, the good news around us, and help us to be creative in that. Help us to use our gifts and our talents to show uh, the Cadden community, to show our friends, our family, our world, how great you are. Lord, thank you for uh, this fatherly example uh, and help us, Lord, to grow in our immaturity as Christians so that we can get it so that we can pass that on, so that we can live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.